0: Thanks so much for joining us at Vive Church for our podcast. If you have a story to share about what God's doing in your life or how this ministry has blessed you, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at Vivechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. God, in your presence right now, Lord, we ready our hearts. Knowing, God, that you want to speak specifically into people's lives, into situations and circumstances. God, well, we need you. God, we are uh, More than happy and more than willing to admit that, God, we need you. So, God, we pray you would do what only you can do today. God, would you bring revelation, touch lives, infuse passion for your house and for your purpose upon our lives. We pray in your mighty name. Everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. Come on, give God some praise in this house. So excited for what God has for us today. I believe it's a word in season for for specific people. Often God will have me prepare sermons to speak corporately, but I really feel that God is going to speak specifically into your situation, specifically to to certain people here. I sense it. I sense it all morning. God's been confirming it, that even in a crowd this size, God can speak directly into what you want to hear and what you need to hear. It's probably a better way to put it. Not always does God speak what we want to hear, but He knows exactly what we need to hear to take us from where we are to where He wants us to be. And I believe He'll do it today if you just have a posture open and ready to receive what it is that God wants to speak. But I want to do something in the presence of God just to set the atmosphere, right? I want to read the Word of God. So if you've got a Bible, would you grab it while you stay standing? I like to stand for the reading of God's Word to honour it. And I want to read from John chapter 1 and verse 1. And all the Bible people are already excited just by that statement right there. Because John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all the things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and all that life was... the." He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. Yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not out of a natural descent or of a human decision or a husband's desire or will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory. The glory of the one and only, of the one and only, the, the, the only God, the one only God. I am so confident and so bold as to stand up in this 21st century culture and declare that there is only one God, one true God, the one and only Jesus. I feel like picking a fight today. He came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Today I am excited to begin our brand new teaching series called The Devil Don't Know. And this is going to double as our sermon title today as well. We're going to get some use out of this amazing title. We're going to double it as not just a series title, but the sermon title. And for the next several weeks, I plan on camping us in the Gospels. Uh, we're leaving Joshua for Jesus. Joshua's been good to us. Amen. But, but how many people know Jesus is going to be a little bit better? It's going to be even better. And I believe God's gonna speak to us. So maybe I could pray as we ready our hearts. God, I pray right now, Lord, that Lord, what you have for us, we will receive. God, we're hungry for you today. We're hungry for what you have. And God, we are not letting go until you bless us, until we take hold of that which you have for us. And God, I thank you for every single person that is joining us here and live online. God, everybody in San Francisco campus, in San Jose campus, here in Palo Alto campus and our online Facebook Live campus right now. God, I pray that each one would receive what it is you have for them today. We pray this in your name. Everybody said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Vive in many locations all over the place and on Facebook Live. Come on, let's give it up for all our Facebook Live. I had a look just during the worship there and we got, we got people dialing in from Australia. We got people dialing in from Hawaii. Shout out to Josiah and Jenny. <laughs> Doing it tough on the beach. Hey, as you get ready for God's word, would you do something? Would you find four people around you? Look them in the eyes and say, the devil don't know. Just say, the devil don't know. He don't know, devil don't know, devil don't know, devil don't know, devil don't know. four people. And then you can grab your seats. So, we were out Monday night, getting our candy on, like many of you, and I take it from your silence that you don't want me to connect this to Halloween at all, so I'm not saying we were doing anything to do with Halloween, you know, i got to be real careful to not offend religious people, because religious people love to write emails, they love it, got nothing better to do but to write emails. <laughs> and teach the pastor how he should not be a part of Halloween. But you know what? Regardless of what your position is, there's free candy on offer. I'm into it. And uh, I believe that God redeems what the enemy has and gives it to the people of God. So if there's candy to be had, this is the promised land. I'm taking what is mine. Amen. Amen. So we happen to be out with some friends Monday night. We just kind of, we do it right too. We, we don't just go around our neighbourhood. We go to where the full-size candy bar neighbourhoods are. That's what we do, which happens to be Los Gatos, by the way. And uh, we were there with some friends and we were just going down the street door to door. And it's amazing to me, because I'm fairly new still to the country. Four years we've been here, but we, we're not stupid, okay? We're, we're new, but we're not stupid. We're new, but not dumb. So, so we know how it works. And my kids, they've, they've caught on real quick. They just know how to like disobey everything we've ever taught them about going to a stranger's house on this night, it's okay. You go straight up to the door boldly and they're just like banging on the door, give me my candy, you know, and they're getting bags full. And it's interesting to me because every house does their best to, you know, dress up the house and to make it all spooky-like. They got oversized spiders. They got noise coming out of the gardens and it's, it's amazing, but the kids don't care. They don't care. They're not one bit perturbed. They've got their eye on the prize and they're going to that front door. They've got like candy eyes. They're going after it. And it's interesting because... Because we had, as we were going from door to door, and you know, us parents, we just standing on the curb and we're, we're chatting as the kids go up and they're somewhere, they're getting candy. And, and, and as we were going from door to door, there was a family that were, or a whole group of people that were following us. They were like one house behind us as we're kind of leading the way, so to speak. And, and it was interesting to me as I watched the, the different dynamics at work because the kids don't even care about all the effort that the people have gone to to hang cobwebs down and make it spooky experience. They're in their princess Dresses, you know what I mean? And they're down to the door. But what was interesting and intriguing is there was one grown lady who was in the group following us who was getting startled and surprised by every single decoration. Literally, like she'd walk down another path and but, oh, like, oh, and then she'd be laughing. You know, she'd be like, oh, and, and I don't know if she had little like champagne-infused candy before or whatever, but but she like she was literally just like Startled and she's making a big scene about how every stinking decoration was surprising her. And I didn't even pay too much notice until my daughter Zara walks down the path and they cross path and she was like, Oh, she's got surprised again. And then my daughter looks at me and out of the corner of her mouth she just goes, What's her problem? You know, literally, my daughter's ten. She's like, What's her problem? And I got thinking about it. It was funny at the time, but as I was preparing this, God kind of revealed to me that this is often how the believer lives. Wow. We, we know that the enemy's at us and tries to get us, but yet we're surprised and startled every time he does. It's, wow. This is kind of how it often works that we should be aware of this, but we ain't, wow. And we're surprised and somewhat startled. And here's something that I wanted to kind of reveal and something that I wanted to make sure that you knew as we started this series with a bold title, The Devil Don't Know. My, my, my goal over this series is not to elevate the devil or to be a series about the devil. Okay. That's not my goal. This series is going to be centered around Jesus. Uh, my, my job is to make him famous and, and to elevate him and to reveal exactly who he is. But, but there are some things that I need to let you know about the devil. Uh, in order for you to be in this understanding is that the devil is not an equal and opposite power to God. You know, sometimes we walk through life very aware, well aware that God is mighty and God is great and He is powerful. But sometimes we have this other perspective that on the other side of things, we've got a scary devil who's just as powerful. He ain't. He's not as Mighty, he's not an equal and opposite power. God alone is omniscient, meaning knowing all. God alone is omnipotent, meaning all powerful. God alone is omnipresent, meaning everywhere. The devil is omni-nothing, nothing. Nothing. He doesn't know anything. He's not everywhere. That means he can't be attacking your friend and your coworker and you at the same time. He, He can't be everywhere. He also doesn't know what you're thinking. I'm going to do some teaching today. I'm going to do some teaching. And I need to do a little bit of teaching before we get preaching. I know I've got to warm it up a little bit. I can't just come in with the deeply theological stuff, I know. <laughs> got to warm the pulpit a little bit. But, but I do want people to know, and I like what John writes here, because he, knew, he knows this, to, to fully understand who the devil isn't, is really better to know exactly who Jesus is. And this is how John writes his gospel. He, he writes and he reveals that, that, that Jesus is grace and truth, that He is light and life. He is the anointed one and the anointing. He is the one who saves and the one who sets free. He is the one through whom life is created and through whom life is restored. He says this in verse three, through Him all things were made without Him. Nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. That's a very fascinating verse right there. The darkness has not understood it. You see, John is writing this gospel towards the end of his life. He has outlived all the other disciples. He's kind of like the last man standing, so to speak. And he's writing kind of like from Grandpa John, kind of position, He realises doesn't have long left. His voice might not be able to hold out for much longer. So he's about to put pen to paper to really begin to articulate and make sure that what outlives him is his understanding of who Jesus was. And the premise from which he writes, John, he he writes with the motivation and and the aim to reveal both the humanity and the divinity of Jesus. Meaning that Jesus was both fully man and fully God. The way he writes it, puts it simply, he says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And and this masterful redemption plan of God, John wants you to realise that the devil has been playing catch up ever since its conception. That from the first moment that this plan was enacted, the devil has been on the back foot trying to play catch up. And and what I wanna reveal to you today and help you understand is that there is a lot about you that the devil doesn't know either. I need you to be responsive today. I'm gonna try and keep calm. I'm gonna try and teach, but don't provoke me. And to do that, to really help you understand it, I need to go to Luke's gospel. So, So I wanna show you in Luke chapter three and four, what we see is in many ways, the activation of Jesus' ministry. At 30 years of age, at the appointed time, Jesus steps onto the ministry scene. And I like this about Jesus. Jesus He operated within a time frame, even though He was outside of time. And this is powerful to understand because because Jesus knew that there was a time and a place for everything, that there was a time even in your life. Sometimes you pray wondering, God, why aren't you happening and why aren't you working in the time frame that I want you to work? And we get frustrated and sometimes we get discouraged, but you don't know what God's doing. He's got a perfect time in mind. But what I love about Jesus is often He would heal people and He would say, hey, don't tell anyone, it's not my time. Meaning that that even though He operated within a time frame, the compassionate nature of Jesus would be moved in people's situations and because of their need would compel Him to move even move outside of His appointed time to move in their life. And I gotta tell you that God can move in your situation at any time He desires. He is sovereign and He can do it. But yet... God moved within time. And now we're at the appointed time, a specific time. But not only is it a specific time in which He activates His ministry, He activates it in a specific style also. Jesus comes in a humility. He doesn't just jump on the scene like, here I am, the Messiah, watch out y'all. But He he comes with this understanding of, man, man, His first thing that we see in His ministry activation is He is baptised by John. He humbled Himself. He didn't need to be baptised. He was the resurrection Lamb. Yet because it was a command, God commanded us to be baptised. He said, well, I'm going to be baptised too. Humility. And this is what we see in Luke chapter 3, verse 21. It says, when all the people were being baptised, Jesus was baptised too. And as He was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on Him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my Son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Jump down to chapter four for me. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, where He was baptized and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days He was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days and at the end of them was hungry. What we have here in Scripture is in many ways the starting gun for Jesus, which... Also records an audible status update by God is kind of what it is. It was like a heavenly uh, notification. He said, This is my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. God puts this, this divine and heavenly notification out there that not only is Jesus His Son, He also says that He loves Him and in Him He is well pleased. And the theological importance of this passage cannot be overlooked because what you need to understand is God says this about the Son. God the Father says this over God the Son before He's performed one miracle, before He's done anything spectacular, before He's changed water into wine, set a blind eye open, He hasn't done anything, but yet God says, I'm well pleased. And that's the same position that God takes over you. Did you know that? That God's not saying, well, I'm pleased because of what you do or how you behave. He's like, I'm just pleased because of who you are. I'm pleased because of who I am. Religion says I'm, you're pleased of because of what you do. But grace says, I'm pleased of you because of what Christ did and who he is. And I need a church to get excited about that. He's pleased. He's, he's well pleased. He's well pleased. God makes it clear. And you know what's funny to me is that this... Heavenly notification actually also serves another purpose. It serves the purpose of confirmation for Jesus around His revelation of His divinity. Okay, let me, let me kind of just dig a little bit. I'm going to do some teaching today, okay? And I know to do some teaching means we're going to have to unpack a whole lot of Scripture in a little bit of time, but, but I think we can do it. I think we can do it. Let's go together. Because what you've got to understand this is sometimes we, we kind of misunderstand some things because of our extensive knowledge of Scripture as followers of Jesus, that, that, that somehow Jesus being born into humanity, sometime, somehow we have this thought that He already knew His divinity. Like, like here we've got baby Jesus walking on the water in the bathtub, you know, that kind of thing, because He knew who He was, His baby, but He's Jesus. You know, no, 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 no. The Bible makes it very clear that Jesus had to grow into His divinity. No, 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 not grow into it, but grow into the understanding of it. He was fully man, fully God, but yet he had to, like you and I, grow into an understanding of the authority that we have and a revelation of who we are. And we see this in many ways in Luke chapter 2, where Jesus is, is 12 years old. Because before this, the only thing that Jesus really had to develop his revelation of the divinity of who he was, was really out of the stories his mother would tell him, Mary, about his conception, about what the angel told her and the promises that God told her. And he put his faith in that. But then we kind of get like a midway point between Jesus' birth and when he steps onto the ministry scene. We have a story when he's 12 years old in Luke chapter 2 where, where, where his parents lose him. It says this in Luke chapter two, verse 41. Every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. How many parents have lost their kids before? You know what I'm talking about. Not many of us, just me. I've lost my kids so many times. Like I lost my kids at Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. And it was not a happy day, you know, losing the kids. I recently lost our kids. I say our kids because they belong to both of us. And uh, lost our kids in the supermarket. I was doing sugar-free September. Thought that was a good thing to do, and 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 then I didn't realize there's gonna be a very difficult task in the United States of America to find anything that's sugar free, and so I'm in the supermarket because I read one packet that said sugar free boldly like no no added sugar, and then you look on the back and it has sugar in it, and I'm thinking I'm trying I'm literally locked in dialed in. Trying to, to figure out this superstition. You know, I'm like, what is this stuff? I'm like, it says no added sugar. Oh, there was sugar, but now they're not adding any extra. Okay, that's great marketing. And I'm into this. And, and don't judge because, ladies, guys, we have one-track minds, okay? Our focus is intense, but it's on one thing. And I'm looking at this thing, and then I look up and I go, did I have my kids with me? Oh, the truth is, this is like the truth is how it went. And then I'm trying to think and I'm looking down the aisle. I'm like, no, no, it mustn't be here. So I keep reading. I put that away and I keep going, finding something else. And then I had this thought, I'm sure I had the kids with me. So I, I text Kira and, and, and I said, hey, honey, uh, the girl's with you. She hit back in lightning speed and said, no, honey, <laughs> felt the attitude through the text message. They are with you. I wrote back, jokes, just got you, huh? smiley face, all good here. Then I frantically, I'm looking around the shops, I'm like, I'm over the PA, wearing the small comp girls? You know, I'm like, I'm frantic and they're like coming back with bacon. They're like, dad, you told us to get bacon. But it doesn't matter what you've lost in life, you didn't lose Jesus like Mary and Joseph, okay? They lost, they lost Jesus. It goes on to say, After three days they found Him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard Him was amazed at His understanding and His answers. Here's Jesus asking the questions and answering them. All the while that they're looking for Jesus, here He is in the temple and he's, He's conversing with rabbis who had devoted their whole entire life to unpacking the Torah, the first five books of the law. That was their game. This was their business. This was what they did. Actually, some rabbis, in fact, actually knew how to say word for word, every word in the Torah. First five books, even the boring bits, they knew it. But what they weren't well versed in or did they understand how to preach and unpack were the prophets. Because not only did they have the Torah, they also had the prophecies of guys like Daniel and Isaiah, Ezekiel, all the major, the minor prophets. They had them, but, but, but yet they hadn't been fulfilled yet because Jesus was the fulfilment of the prophecies. And so they couldn't really unpack convincingly and convictionally what they hadn't seen fulfilled yet. And so here comes Jesus on the scene who is not only well versed in the law, He is the Word of God. So He is the very living Word of God. Word became flesh. And here He is unpacking not just the Torah in new ways that they had never even understood, but He's also unpacking the very prophecies that the prophets didn't know what they were saying. When they would talk about the Saviour and they would talk about a Messiah and they talk about this grand redemptive plan, they were, had this puzzled look on their own face, like, what am I saying? As they prophesied this and it was recorded in Scripture, yet here is Jesus literally lecturing and blowing their minds. It goes on to say, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Check this out. Mary says to Jesus, your, your father and I have been looking for you. She was referring to Joseph and her, but, but then Jesus replies, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house revealing a greater depth of his understanding of his divinity, knowing now who he was and who his father was. He's like, I get what you're saying, but I had to be in my father's house. He was stepping into a deeper revelation of the divinity of who he was and who God was speaking over him. It goes on to say this, then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. as good Jesus But his mother treasured all these things in her heart and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. He grew in it. He grew in wisdom. He grew in understanding. So now if we come back to chapter four, we have this voice from heaven. This heavenly notification, this declaration from God the Father to God the Son saying, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And what we also have here in Scripture is an amazing intersection of of the Godhead at work in perfect unity in Scripture. I'm talking about a triune God. I'm talking about God the Father revealing and declaring His love for the Son. We've got God the Son who's being obedient to the Father. And you've got God the Holy Spirit who is leading Him and and and. and drawing him into the desert, into the purpose and the plan and the destiny that God had planned for him all along. And it's an amazing, amazing intersection in scripture of the Godhead at work in perfect unity. And then what we see, check out verse three, because this heavenly status update actually served another purpose. It actually served the purpose of notifying the enemy. It says this in verse three, the devil said to him, if "'You are the Son of God. "'Tell this stone to become bread.' "'Jesus answered, "'It is written, "'Man does not live by bread alone. "'The devil led him up to a high place "'and showed him in an instant "'all the kingdoms of the world. "'And he said to him, "'I will give you all the authority "'and splendour for it has been given to me "'and I can give it to anyone I want to. "'So if you worship me, it will all be yours.' "'Jesus answered, "'It is written, "'Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only.' "'The devil led him to Jerusalem "'and had him stand on the highest point of the temple.' If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, It says, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. You know, sometimes we can read this with the presumption that the devil knew who Jesus was. And that somehow his tempting was just an attempt to derail the plan. But, but what we know from what John said that, that even though the light was revealed, darkness could not understand it. And just as Jesus had to grow in his understanding of his revelation of the divinity, the devil's not just asking to tempt, the devil's asking because he don't know. Yeah. devil don't know. The devil understood that this guy has authority. Who is this man with so much authority? Who is this man just walking around with the very presence of God? But, but no one had expected a Saviour to be born the way Jesus was. Everyone expected a King born in a palace, not a Saviour born in a manger. No, no one ever expected that. And so here comes Jesus on the scene now that God has made this declaration alerting the enemy that this is my son. Now the devil wants to know for sure. If you are, do this. What we do know is that the Bible, that the devil is well-versed in the Bible. He's well-versed in Scripture. Whatever's spoken, whatever's written, the devil knows. And he comes to use those things that are declared over God back against God. But he's trying to bring the Word against the Word. He's, He's trying to bring the Word of God against the Word of God. It's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. And, and, and I like this because the very tools that Jesus comes back at the devil with are the very same tools that he gives us to come back at the devil with. Oh, help me preach. You have the very same tools at your disposal that Jesus used. That Jesus used. The devil didn't know. He didn't know. Have you ever thought that if the devil knew exactly? or comprehended the plan of God, that he would not have crucified Jesus. Because he thought he won. But he didn't know the plan. He didn't know that the very crucifixion of Jesus was enacting the saving grace for you and I, that in his crucifixion was his victory. The devil didn't know. The devil doesn't know not to mess with you either. neighbor real quick and say, the devil doesn't know. Look at him, real quick. I need some participation in this Presbyterian church. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, the devil don't know. The devil don't know. The devil don't know. Maybe you have to shake him. Maybe they're sitting there like they're wondering if the devil does know what they're going to get up to later. But the devil doesn't know. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. Come on, San Jose. Online are going crazy right now. Hawaii is lit right now. But I want to show you quick. Just quickly, we've got a couple minutes left. I'm not going to preach a long time, but I do want to inform you of some things, and I want to show you quickly just three things that the devil doesn't know about you. Can you handle it? Have you got your pen ready? You got your notepad or your neighbor's forehead, whatever it takes. Let's write something down. Just help me get this message across today. Firstly, the devil doesn't know your authority. He doesn't know your authority. We see that the devil questions and challenges Jesus' authority. In fact, he actually tried to tempt Jesus with, with the kingdoms of the earth. He he tried to, ch- to tempt him by saying, I'll give you authority over all the kingdoms of the world. But what he did not know is that Jesus had already been given all authority. We see this in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth devil's trying to tempt him with earthly authority. Jesus says, I've already got that authority and some. I've got heaven's authority. It's all been given to me. And what this this actually means for you is that you can begin to inform the devil of some things also. That what has been given to Jesus has also been given to you. Because Jesus tells the disciples in Luke chapter 10, says, look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. You can remind the devil of the authority that you have, because he don't know, he don't know. Secondly, the devil don't know your anointing. My Zara was looking at my sermon notes this morning, in fact, and she said, "Dad, if God is anointing, then the devil is annoying." Ten-year-old theology, right there. That's good. But what we see is that. Jesus comes out of the desert after being tempted by the devil and he comes out in a whole new level of power and authority. And then he goes into the temple on the Sabbath and they hand him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And it says this in chapter four and verse 17 of Luke. It says, the scroll of Isaiah, the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favour has come. Then He rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on Him. And He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This was the original mic drop right here. He opens up the scripture, the scroll, not of the Torah, which they were well versed in, but the but prophets, which had yet to be fulfilled, which they didn't understand. And in this amazing speech, he reads the scroll, he hands it back to him, he sits down. And as he's sitting down, they're all eyes intently looking at him, not a, not a, not a hush, not a, not a whisper, not a sound in the whole place. As they're thinking, what's coming next? What, what authority comes off this man? He speaks, man, we've read that scripture before, but we've never heard it like that. He sits down and says, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled. He's talking about an anointing. He says, I've been anointed. The anointing is what breaks the yoke of bondage. The anointing is what impacts and enacts the very power and redemptive plan of God. The anointing is what opens blind eyes, It's what makes people see and hear and it's the very anointing, the very power of God. Jesus says, I have been given anointing and I am the anointing. I am the anointed one and the anointing. Mm. He's been given anointing to set people free and The devil doesn't know your anointing. But he is banking on the fact that you don't know either. He's banking on the fact that you don't know. He doesn't know, but he's banking on the fact that you don't know and that you don't find out. Thirdly, there's one more thing the devil don't know and that's your action. I wanna illustrate this one as we bring this to a close, but I want my teaching aid out here. How many people know we're in Turkey Month right now? Yep. I know. <laughs> we are mere weeks away from Thanksgiving, probably the greatest created holiday ever. Outside of Christmas and Easter, I know that. But... But all the food, you know, we're talking about. And, and, and I was talking to a buddy of mine who goes to this church. And I'm, I'm going to leave him nameless so that he doesn't get hate mail this week. But he, he recently started turkey hunting. And, and I was fascinated because he was talking to me about how he did it. He was talking about these things. And these things are called decoys. They're, they're fake turkeys. Anybody, anybody know about turkey hunting in California? No, save the whales. Okay, so, so what, <laughs> what he was doing... Is he was, he was telling me about how you turkey hunt with decoys. And I'm like this, I'm a guy who, who, if you t- start telling me something, i got to find everything about it. So I'm watching YouTube videos. I'm on this thing right now, this kick about documentaries, aren't I, honey? She just comes in, finds me watching like Deepest, Deadliest Catch. And I'm watching about how to trap crabs just in case I'm going to do it one day, you know. And I'm learning gold rush, you know what I mean? Just got to raise some money for the church, you know. So, So... I'm learning all these things. I'm on a documentary kick right now, and and I got on this YouTube thing about turkey hunting, and I'm watching like how they lure turkeys in, and I, it's ridiculous, man. They they put these turkeys out there, and they're hiding behind these turkeys, and and they literally got their heads out, but the turkey is so focused on the decoy that the turkey comes right here, and the turkey doesn't even realize they got this like big shotgun in its face, its head's about to be blown off. If your kids didn't go out to vive kids, and that's, that's your royal kids, and that's your problem, but 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 they're standing behind these turkeys, literally just hiding behind the decoy. And I thought, man, turkeys are not the smartest animal in the kingdom. But then I began to do a little bit further study and I realised that hunting has a season. There's a start of a hunting season. You know how to shoot a turkey dead before then? And after the season finishes, you're gonna get heavily fined if, if you hunt outside of season. But there is a season in which you can go crazy hunting turkeys, but... But what the good turkey hunters, this is hard to say, what the good turkey hunters do is that even before they're allowed to take a shotgun out and shoot turkeys, they don't wait for season to start. They will go out without a gun, without a weapon, and they will just watch the turkeys. And what they're watching for is the, the different patterns that the turkeys make and the, the areas that they go and the paths that they, they, they will often walk because, because they're creatures of habit. That if you can study them long enough, you can just go and put a a decoy in the middle of nowhere, you're not gonna catch or attract one turkey. But if you put a decoy in the path, if you put a decoy in the place where they they usually walk and after watching and monitoring the patterns of the turkey, there is a good chance that you simply put a decoy in the path that they walk, you're gonna find that it's gonna attract and trap a turkey. And as I was just simply minding my business watching this, the Lord revealed to me that this is kind of how it works for us. That the enemy, the enemy does not have the power of prophecy. That's from God. He doesn't have the power of prophecy. But he does like to predict based off a pattern from the past. And what He'll often do, what He'll often do is He will use a pattern of your past to predict your behaviour in the future so He knows the path that you will most likely walk because He's watched your pattern, He's watched your thoughts, He's watched how you've acted and how you've behaved and based off that, He can predict where to place a decoy in order to trap you and to get you into that place where you draw away from God's presence. Oh, I know i got to unpack it some more. I know I'm not doing my job. Let me do my job then. It says this in verse 28, because the people were not happy with what Jesus said. They weren't happy. Jesus sits down and makes this declaration because He was in His hometown. They didn't know the divinity of Jesus. They just saw the humanity. They hadn't grown in revelation. They hadn't grown in understanding. So, so they were offended with what He said. It says this in verse 28, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove Him out of the town and took Him to the brow on the hill on which the town was built in order to throw Him down the cliff. But, verse 30, He walked right through the crowd and went on His way. Now the devil knew who Jesus was now. Yeah. Yeah. Now he knew. Wow. He'd heard the status update. He He'd heard and he tried tempting him, but he realized, Man, I'm in trouble. I'm in, this is this is none other than the Son of God. This is, he meant none of my tricks are working. So it says he left him until the opportune time. Now he's got the opportune time because he's got some people involved, some people who are getting offended, some people who are getting their backs up, some people who are upset about the way Jesus wants to work. And now the crowd, influenced by the devil, are pushing Jesus. The devil's gonna try and take him out early, pushing him towards the edge, and they're. Crowding him and they're cornering him, but what does Jesus do? He simply walks right through the crowd untouched. And I have to tell you what the devil doesn't know about you. He might know the pattern of your past, he might be able to predict the future based off the pattern. But the devil doesn't know your next move. He doesn't know your next move. He doesn't know your next move. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. He don't know. He doesn't know your next move. He's guessing and he's trying to set decoys based off a pattern. But you might have situations crowding you. You might might be feeling cornered in life. You might be feeling cornered by the circumstances and the status of your finances and the pressure of your relationships. You might be feeling cornered like there's no way out and you're feeling like you're gonna go back to that place of depression. You feel like you're going back to that place of anxiety. But I have to tell you, the devil doesn't know your next move. And what God wants to do is he wants to empower you with his presence so you can walk right through the crowded place. By the power of His presence. Stand to your feet with me. Stand to your feet. All of my locations, everyone stand right now. I want to do something practical. I don't want to just preach at you. I want to, I want to empower, with you, empower you right now with some new moves today. With some new moves. How many people are ready to get some new moves right now? Some moves the devil didn't even know about. He didn't know about these moves. I'm about to empower you with. Because what God gives us is His presence. Now, the presence of God does not change you. If it changed you, then the circumstances you were facing when you walked in with wouldn't be there when you walked out. Just because you went into God's presence, everything changes. No, it doesn't. The same problems, the same trials, the same pressures, all those things are still waiting for you outside the door. And you're thinking, man, this is not the very empowering message, Pastor, I thought I was going to get today. No, 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 But, but I will tell you what the presence of God does. It does give you perspective. It reminds you of how great your God is. It reminds you and aligns you with the purpose of God for your life. It calls you higher. It tells you to lift your eyes. It tells you to stop looking at the decoy. Stop looking at the thing. You've been on the path and He's distracting you with how, how you're single right now or He's distracting you with anxiety right now. He's distracting you with the same decoys. He's used time and time again and you've wondered why haven't I graduated this season yet? Because you keep getting your eyes on the problem and taking your eyes off the Lord but the presence of God is there to remind us that He rules, that He reigns, that He is mighty. He knows all things. The devil don't know what you're going to do. The devil doesn't know your authority. The devil doesn't know your anointing. The devil doesn't know your next action. The devil don't know. Look at three people. Tell them the devil doesn't know. Tell them the devil don't know. The devil don't know. Shake him if you have to. Devil know. Devil don't know. I feel like this week you're going to walk around saying devil don't know. <laughs> when you get getting that work pressure just look at your boss and say the devil don't know don't do that you don't know how anointed you are. He he don't know the very power of God has been given to you. He doesn't know and he's hoping that you don't know. But I'm here to tell you today that what you don't know, God has still given it. And it just simply means getting the right perspective to realise that everything he has, he's already given. So you don't even need to come into God's presence asking for things. You come in just receiving everything that God has already given. The Bible says his arm is not too short. There is nothing he's left. He's given everything to you. He gave himself. I wanna do something at every campus, every location, even online right now. I want you to lift your hands to heaven in the presence of God. Come on, would you participate this morning? Would you simply participate in what God wants to speak to you? What He wants to reveal to you by His Spirit? If the Spirit of God led Jesus into a place, maybe He wants to reveal something to you this morning. I want you to picture right now that pattern that you've been stuck in. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's been a cycle that you feel like you've stuck yourself in and you've been stuck in and there's no changing and you've almost resolved that this is the way it's going to be. So while it's good, I'll celebrate, but I'll bunker down when it gets hard again. But but that's not the pattern that God promised for you. That is not the plan that He had for you. That's not the purpose He had for you. He has given you His presence to remind you and change the perspective that you can change today, that there can be change, that there can be freedom. The Bible says, Whomever the Son sets free is free indeed. He's come to give real freedom. Freedom to take you out of that cycle and into a new system. So whether it's addiction, I get the sense that some people, you've been battling rejection. You can't even hear what your husband says over you. He tries to lavish affirmation, but you've been battling rejection. I gotta tell you, God wants to set you free from that today. You've been carrying hurt. It's been a playground for the devil. But he's gonna bring some change today. The very power of God. God, you see every person right now, Lord, as they hold their pattern before you. And God, we thank you that you're gonna empower us to change the pattern today. It's by your grace. It's by your presence. So God, as faith rises, man, I feel the spirit of Jesus here. It's amazing when you preach on Jesus, how his presence just fills the place, fills the atmosphere. The very author of life, the redeemer of all things. God, right now, we pray in your presence, would your power be made manifest. I wanna do something else in the atmosphere. I just feel, I just sense God in the atmosphere. I wanna do something so powerful. I wanna create an opportunity right now for those that are recognising that they need God, that you're recognising that you've been on this pattern and this pathway and it feels like you've had a hard time escaping it, getting out of it. And I have to tell you that the very way to get free is, is it starts with Jesus. It starts with a relationship with Him starts by receiving Him and saying, God, I don't want to do this my way anymore. I want to do this your way because I know that you know better. So God, I want to do it the way that you intended. And maybe you've never prayed that prayer before, but today you want to pray that prayer. Or maybe you did pray that prayer once, but you realized you've taken the reins and you've navigated life your way and it hasn't ended up the right way. But you're saying, God, I realize I need to come back to you. I want to include you in that prayer too. And then maybe there's a third group of people who just realize you've been stuck. You've been stuck in a pattern and you felt like the devil knows exactly how to get you. But you want some new moves today. And you're saying, God, I need to move differently. Would your grace be on my life? And I want to pray a prayer for people. So if maybe we could do something all together in every location, every campus, maybe you could just bow your heads and close your eyes, create a moment between you and God. And if that's you, you You're going to say, yeah, pastor, include me in this prayer. I'm not going to embarrass anyone. I just want to pray for you. And if that's you, you're saying, yeah, pastor, include me in this prayer. Maybe I'm praying this prayer for the first time or I'm coming back to God, I'm praying this prayer again or I've been stuck and I need to get free today. If that's you, just give me a simple wave so I know who I'm praying for. I'm not gonna embarrass you, I wanna empower you. My goodness, hands all over this place. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Up the back, in the middle, down the front, San Jose, San Francisco, come on online right now. Hands, just wave it to God, declare it. Say, God, I'm coming to you. God, I'm getting set free today. God, I've been stuck in a cycle and that cycle has to end today. God, I'm getting set free. I'm getting set free. I'm finding new freedom. I'm putting my faith in You. Give me a wave so I can see it. I see that. I see that. I see that. In the middle, up the back. My goodness, hands all over this place. Yes. God, You see every hand. God, let it be a heart today that is being bared open right now to receive what it is that You truly have for us. The God, we could be empowered by your grace with a confidence and a boldness and an assurance to know that you are with us. God, would that translate into boldness here and now, right now in the atmosphere. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about Vive Church, for service times and locations, or if you'd like to support this ministry financially, visit us at vivechurch.org.